FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 161 of the podcast that goes nicked. I'm your host, Jason Venable, and I'm joined by special guest, Jack Chambers from the Intercomics Podcast. Hey Jack. Hello again, Jason. Thank you for having me on, sir. Yeah, it's always, like... always, always a pleasure to show up on this Wolverine-themed podcast. Right. Oh, I forgot to mention. No, this... we, sh- we got to read the intro. Hey, I'm Jason, blah, blah, blah. And with me is Wolvie Award winner, Jack Chambers. Thank you for having me on, Jason. Yeah. Did you know that you won the Wolvie for Best Snacked of 2015? I didn't. No. No. <laughs> In- inv- inventor of the Snacked, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> We were we were talking. And I couldn't think of a memorable snack in the comics for the whole year. <laughs> and so I said, "But wait, wait! Last episode, Jack did one to end the episode, and I think I called it the uh, the Why haven't you been doing this all hundred plus episodes? Snacked. Because <laughs> once you said it, it was like the most obvious way to ever end an episode." <laughs> I suppose you'd have to open the show with the word snicked and then close it with snacks. Right. <laughs> Do you think that'd be a bit on too on the nose, though? Probably. Like, if I was like, snicked, welcome to the podcast, blah, 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 two hours exactly. later. Yeah. Snack. Yeah. <laughs> Just open with, like, hurts every time. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, does it hurt every time you record the podcast? Every time I podcast. Every time. <laughs> Painful for me and the listeners. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yes, thank you for having me on again, man. This is my first episode on the show, not talking about something from between 1985 and 1987. So right, this should be interesting. Right. <laughs> this 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 comic actually came out not only like within the last. 20 years or within the last 30 years it came out within the last seven days yes very current we're keeping with our theme of um having guests on for the new number ones the all new all difference and we're going to talk about uncanny x-men i will say though it's thematically not too big of a departure instead of talking solely about marvel's number one villain you get the next best guy with magneto <laughs> exactly exactly Though he's not really i mean He's very gray these days, but um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks to um, and we're going to talk about Cullen Bunn and his characterization of of Eric here. But yes. I think perhaps more so thanks to Cullen in that in that recent series has Magneto kind of risen to a new kind of status quo for the character. We've we've seen him go gray before, but I think this is the version that is kind of setting in stone this kind of reluctant hero, right? version of magneto for the modern age and i think um without spoiling my thoughts on this issue yet um i think the solo series was really really solid throughout um, i really enjoyed what bun did with magneto and the whole kind of him going on an adventure through his past and everything like that and right. then discovering who he is and shaving his head and that whole thing and like there were some really really great moments in that series so i was intrigued to see how he would continue the character with the supporting cast alongside it now. Now we have the X-Men behind it as well, and, and right. Bun has taken over a, a full X title. So that's kind of what's got me excited for this book. Yeah, me too. And that's kind of some of the reason I uh, 
I wanted to have you on for this issue instead of one of the other number ones is because I knew, A, that you enjoyed Colin Bunn in general. And then, B, I'd, I'd heard you talk about on the Internet Comics podcast, the Magneto solo book a lot, which I agree with, was really good. It was fantastic. You know, pretty much from start to finish, it was the only book yeah. where the Axis tie-ins were still readable. and that's saying something that's saying something um yeah i mean that book even coined a phrase on our show um for those of you who who know the show you may already know this um i have two co-hosts on my show who usually are with me every week matt wilmot and dan cole and dan and i particularly dan advocated that magneto number one was a game-changing issue and it was really spectacularly done and he was one of his it was his pick for the pick of the week for the week it came out right and matt was not sold on it i remember yeah and he eventually came back round and eventually decided that the series was worthwhile and did tackle <laughs> the whole thing and ended up coming around and agreeing with us so now doing a magneto <laughs> as the phrase was coined by matt is not being convinced by something at first speaking to your peers perhaps showing up on a podcast or two discussing it with other people discussing it with other readers twitter all that sort of stuff and kind of giving it a second chance and really enjoying it the second time around which i think is a really important thing for comics because you can read something so quickly with comics more so than a novel and and film that things like films or um tv shows dictate how quickly you consume them right whereas if you're flicking pages you're dictating the pace of the story for yourself and so many people will not will kind of skim read dialogue and flick through art and stuff like that and not give it a full chance. I'm not saying Matt did that, but I think that is a common complaint and a common problem with people reading comics. Right. So going back and giving it a second or a third read, which is my kind of general... If I'm going to talk about a comic on a show, I read it at least twice, if not three times. And if I really love it, I'll read it more, obviously. But I try to give it two or three times just in case I miss something or something i didn't like was actually explained i say oh there's a big plot hole here and i'll have (laughs) another co-host say actually if you look at page 10 it's explained and you just missed it so you want to make sure that's kind of a thorough thing so doing a magneto is giving something a second chance and then enjoying it the second time around so feel free to use that (laughs) phrase on your show as well if you want jace i feel like there should be a song (laughs) to go with that (laughs) i do do the magneto I felt it was like um, do the twist or something. <laughs> we both we both went to like fifties style, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just need to we just need to tighten up our harmonies. We'll be fine. <laughs> Hit the higher third for me, Jason. Ta da! Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Perfect. All right, pitch perfect. <laughs> Well, well, now that we got the obligatory singing out of the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so the all-new, all-different, not in the title this time, um, Uncanny X-Men. Um, yeah, it was written by Colin Bunn, with pencils by Greg Land, inker by Jay Shh, listen. Colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by VC's Joe Caramagna. Um, and the cover is by Land... And Woodard. So let's talk about the cover. Um, it's pretty much just a standard. Hey, here's the team, which is fine. Let's uh, before we get too much into what the content, let's talk about the lineup. Sure, sure. Because I the, think the, the cover is so typically X Men. Right. Like if you see anything, forget the superlative, X Men number one 
it's going to be a team shot. It's going to be people using their powers for <laughs> seemingly no reason in a situation, which is exactly what you've got here. We've had it since the 60s. We had it in right. the 90s. It's going to happen forever. <laughs> and it, it does its job, I guess. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, let, let, let's talk about the team. Let's get stuck in. Yeah, and team. And uh, we also hit on the uh, the new costume designs because they're all pretty much mostly mm. in full view at this point. I guess Sabretooth and Absolutely. Psylocke are a little... A little more obscure than the other three, but um, actually, you know what? First, what do you think of the lo- the new logo? I like the new logo. Actually. I do too. It's pretty yeah, mod. Yeah. yeah, that was my favorite bit of the cover. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so obviously we have Magneto kind of at the helm of this team um, because he has a helmet, so he's at the helm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think that's how he won that position. Um, <laughs> well, what do you think? Um, so he has a touch of red back in his costume, which is obviously a callback to his original costume, kind of the red and purple, but it's still darker. Um, what do you think of the, of the new Magneto costume? I quite like it, actually. Um, I, I like the the cape is kind of a bluish, which you can't really see on the cover. Um, you get the inside of the cape, but not the back of it. But the back of it is kind of a dark blue um which like you said instantly reminds you of the classic purple suit that is perhaps his most famous outfit of right. all and it's like a real kind of as soon as it hits any kind of lighting that the black parts on his suit have this brilliant kind of dark blue to them and the red edging is almost like kind of tron-ish um yeah <laughs> also reminds me a lot of um from the last volume of uncanny the cyclops uniform Absolutely. Yeah, I was about to say when um, we had uh, Avengers vs. X-Men and you had Cyclops create his own version of the X-Men and and spin off and become a rogue and all that sort of stuff, he started wearing that red and black suit as well, didn't he? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I really like that Cyclops design with the cross across his his face. That was so cool. So, yeah, that's kind of reminiscent. And uh, uh, without spoiling it, we do get another team shot later on in the book, um, and that gives us a kind of better look at everybody else's suits as well. So, yeah, so I, I like the new Magneto design. I do too. And as you said before, I'm one of the things I'm looking most forward to in this book is crossing my fingers in the hope that tonally it just kind of picks up right where Bun's Magneto series left off. Uh, we'll see if we feel like it kind of does that or hints that it might do that. But coming into this, Knowing Magneto is kind of going to be one of the central characters, that was really my hope. Yeah, anything else on Magneto before we move on? Nope, nope. I think that, that's right. a good start with, with the outfit and things like that. I, th- I think he's had the most kind of weird outfits in the past, perhaps, of, of some of the X-Men, <laughs> and that's saying something for the X-Men. Um, so it's nice to see him kind of go a bit a bit kind of Classic. toned down. He yeah. can be a bit pretty bombastic and ridiculous at times. Definitely. Definitely. All right, so next up we have Monet, uh, or M, uh, in a pretty standard, actually a very similar costume to Magneto, just without the accessories. (laughs) Just more plain. Um, So I I have a little bit of um, a confession. I I don't know, I've never heard you really specify. I know uh, Dan, also from your show on Intercomics, really loves Generation X. Like that's one of his. That's kind of one of his main X books yes, he got into. That, that is one of his touchstones for comics, yeah. let alone X Men books. He's very much a, a guy who grew up on X Men, and he is he is our 
expert to coin a phrase <laughs> on the intercomics podcast um right. so yeah yeah absolutely i personally um am a little bit younger than dan and matt um and um, it was a little bit before my time and i haven't had a chance to go back to it yet uh, i keep meaning to it's one of those series where i keep meaning to go back to it and i never have done right. um but yeah, I, I'm mostly. I was introduced to X Men through the animated series in probably must be reruns in about ninety six, ninety seven, something like that. Yeah, uh, I was introduced to Batman, Spider Man, and X Men all at the same time through the pop through the cartoons, nice. and I haven't really gone back much earlier than <laughs> than that. Yeah, that's cool. Well, so I was gonna. You know? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat actually. Um. There was there was a, a time in my life I grew up on comics and then once I started driving <laughs> and then all the way kind of to the end of college I kind of quit reading not not in a like oh I'm too cool to read comics anymore it's just my money and my time went elsewhere and so I pretty much got I dove back into comics after I graduated college and, and moved into my own place and had a real job and was a little, had a little more on downtime. Um, and I, I dove right back into comics, but that time period, I pretty much missed all of generation X. <laughs> and so I've gone back and read a little bit and I've enjoyed it, but I don't have like that attachment to it. And that said, my exposure to Monet or M post that, I don't think I have the same love for the character. I, I feel like people that, like Dan, that were really into Generation X, I guess she was probably more developed. I'm, assume, I'm assuming she was one of the central characters, so it had a lot more development, and you were with her a lot more. Whereas I feel like after that, she kind of became just a caricature, like Mean Girl, in a way. Mm-hmm. And so I never, yeah. I've never really bonded with her. Like She's always just kind of been a snotty bitchy whatever like rich girl and it writers after generation x have not delved much deeper than that um i feel like at least in in the exposure i've had so i don't have the attachment to her that you know x-men fans that read that book like as their book have and so i'm just curious do you have like any is this a sentimental choice for you at all or is it just kind of like oh there she is Oh, oh, there she is! Absolutely, okay. <laughs> I have I have almost no connection to um at all. Okay, um, perfect. I'm not sure I've read any book where she's like really stood out to me. Um, right. Like I said, I'm more of a modern X Men kind of guy. I I'm I feel classic classic X Men is perhaps one of my biggest blind spots in in comics. I I kind of try and cover all the the obvious points i've read most of the classics if you if you point at a superhero and say have you read this have you read that oh if there's a superman book you must read it must be this and that sort of thing i try to cover all the classics as much right. as i can but unfortunately uh, bar a few obvious ones um god loves man kills is one of my all-time favorite oh, so good just just stories in comics <laughs> ever um yeah. so that's kind of an exception i guess um but yeah i i, I feel i i should um, delve a bit deeper sometime but yeah I have no particular connection to Monet alright cool um, so next up we have Archangel and it's kind of just a slight twist on his uncanny X-Force uniform I like that he's in the white and black I dig that I <laughs> have a confession to make and Denise is uh, not feeling so great but she's over in, in the side of the room 
I cannot remember from, and you can blame part of this on the lackluster last volume of Wolverine and the X-Men where the older angel was kind of a main character. I don't remember if we're supposed to know that old Warren has turned back into Archangel, like with the blue skin and stuff, or that's supposed to be a surprise and we're supposed to figure it out. And so I don't know <laughs> where I'm supposed to stand with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. I'm honestly not sure. Yeah, like I have no idea if like, oh, am I supposed to expect this or is this supposed to be like a shocker? And I just, I can't remember. And Yeah. I mean, I mean, you you, you speak of talk, uh, kind of touchstones for me in this show, um, and in, and in this book, sorry, Magneto from Bun is kind of the 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 keystone I feel, and then right. the fact that I loved Remender's Uncanny X Force that you just <sighs> mentioned, yes. so so much. That's again one of my favorite series of the last few years or so. Definitely. The Dark Angel saga is a masterpiece. And kind of made me appreciate Archangel in a new light, and and in a way I'd never appreciated him before. So I want to care whether we should know that or not, but I honestly don't, and I don't really. It's, it's never really explained either way. He's right. just like smugly hanging out with his blue face and his yellow eyes, and like, okay, <laughs> yeah, sure, firing knife blades out of his wings all the time, just hanging out. Yeah. All right. So next up, we have Psylocke. Just kind of being Psylocke. Her new costume is, uh, again, a variation on her Uncanny X-Force costume. Um, it's a little more colorful, I guess, slightly. Uh, still pretty dark. But, um, yeah, so she's doing her thing. She's got her uh, telepathic butterfly on her face on the cover. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a Psylocke fan. I'm, I'm glad to see her. Always nice to see a Brit hanging out. <laughs> there you go. A, f- a fellow <laughs> English English person. <laughs> yeah. And of course, going clockwise, we end up with uh, Sabretooth. I wasn't sure after Secret Wars, you know, after Axis, we got what we like to call on the podcast that goes snicked, uh, Pussycat Sabretooth. Yep. And so I wasn't sure if we would still have that or Secret Wars would kind of reset him. But it appears like he's at least still kind of in the the post-Axis, um, not a complete psychopath <laughs> version yeah. of Sabretooth. Yeah, yeah. So, He's maybe like a tamed cat, like a house cat rather than a pussy cat. Right, right. <laughs> and his costume is pretty much um, pretty much a, a spin on his 90s costume, one of his better costumes, just without all the fur collars. Thank so. God for that. <laughs> you don't like, like not, the giant the hair on the back? <laughs> oh, dear. It always reminds me of Craven. Yeah. As much as I like, as much as I like Craven, it doesn't oh, work. Man. Like he's a hunter. That kind of makes sense. Yes. <clears throat> Why would Sabretooth... I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I've never really been a big fan of Sabretooth's look in general, especially when he... He couldn't look more like Wolverine <laughs> if he tries at this point. <laughs> the, the yellow and black, and then, like, like you said, it, it is a twist on his 90s costume, but the kind of... Um, Mutton chop things and the short hair. I was right. like, "Is that old man Logan?" Oh no, wait, they say Sure. Speaking of which, um, in the um, I think it was Ultimate End, one of the Secret Wars tie-ins. Oh dear. Where old man Logan showed up in uh, in Bagley version, and I literally wasn't sure at first which character it was. Yep. Like, is that old man Logan? Is that new short hair Sabretooth? I don't know until he popped the claws, and I was like, "Oh, okay." 
because he didn't talk when he first showed up. He's just walking around like, I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah, so that's our team. Jack, when do we, when do we start off? We start off in uh, Detroit, Michigan, and what, what's going on? Actions going on, pretty much. <laughs> um, <laughs> Magneto showing off. Like I mentioned, Archangel is busting his blade. We basically get the typical, um, how, how X-Men often set the kind of status quo for a team or a series is you have a little danger room thing, so you get to introduce all the characters and they use all their powers. Instead, they're using like this battle, opening battle scene and kind of carjacking, um, hijacking thing as and chance to show how Magneto plays off Sabretooth and how Sabretooth handles killing people or not killing people and blah, blah, blah. And then you see, like you said, Manet and Psylocke and everybody get involved as well. And, I mean, it's a very, very kind of classic technique in comics to set up. It's kind right. of the, the cold open that is used in James Bond, for those of you who are <laughs> a Bond fans. You go straight in mid-mission, like, oh, something's about to happen, here you go, sort of thing. And then suddenly everything kind of kicks off from there. So, yeah. And, and then that whole kind of opening sequence lasts about half the, half the book. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it goes all the way until kind of the middle double-page spread there. Yeah, we, we hit that double-page spread I, I mentioned earlier. And then uh, where do we go from there, Jason? Yeah, well, uh, so let's, let's uh, kind of fill in a little bit more of that. Um, it may or may not be important later. I have no idea. But... Um, <laughs> So, so the, they're finding this company called Someday, and Someday their kind of deal is that with all the Terrigen stuff going on, they're basically, it appears to all be volunteers. It doesn't seem like they're abducting anybody or anything like that, but they're providing a service for mutants if they want to go into like stasis or hibernation or whatever, then they're, they're basically like taking care of them, like keeping the the bodies, I guess, until they want to be woken up. And of course, uh, Magneto and his, his X-Force team in the X-Men book, <laughs> um, they, they take offense at this. And I think it's funny because I feel like, you know, you see what you see in TV shows a lot of times and a lot of fights is people, you know, they'll fight and they'll say like, well, you're not really mad at me. You're mad about this. And I feel like Magneto and, and the X-Men are not really mad at the company. They're really mad at the mutants who are mm. volunteering to kind of give up, I guess. Which is often the kind of stance Magneto takes. He yes. Is, well, he doesn't necessarily go against the humans who are doing it. He goes against the mutants who are supporting the humans. You are supposed to be on our side. We are brothers you should be part of the Brotherhood of Mutants because, we, you know, we are all genetically linked. We should all be, you know, united in our cause. No matter what the cause, we should be united as mutants. Right. And he takes particular offense to mutants siding with other species or other people or other groups and stuff like that. That's fairly a common kind of thing for Magneto to do. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so they kind of, they do some fighting. The Blackbird shows up. We get mindless Archangel. One of the things I really kind of enjoyed or, or am, am interested to see where it goes is the whole Psylocke trying to figure out what's going on with Archangel mm. and just like trying to get in get in his head, but it seems to be kind of vacant. Though in that bottom panel, he almost looks like he's about to smile. So that was kind of weird. So I can't tell if that's supposed to be like a subtle, maybe Warren is in there. 
or if it's just when Land drew a blank face and just kind of looks happy. <laughs> I don't know, but um, but so that's interesting. Um, and what do you think of the whole like interplay between Monet and Sabretooth? Um, again, I don't have particular attachment to Monet, so it doesn't hugely resonate with me. But I think it's a nice little character moment that kind of she comes off as the kind of badass almost right she comes off with the it, it would be if, if, if Sabretooth was inhabiting the, the wolverine kind of role in this <laughs> book then he would be the one quipping and being like hey bub you want to um you got a soft spot for the blah 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 and all this sort of stuff and like taking <laughs> taking the piss out of him and things like that right and nope. then she kind of takes up that role against Sabretooth, and I like the fact that she's kind of that confident, quirky kind of kind of character. I don't particularly know her. Does she have a past with Sabretooth, to your knowledge, Jason? I don't think so, no. Nothing I know of. I can't tell if they're just trying to make her, like, this is the team flirt, or if there's actually something, like, substantial to the relationship. I can't really tell. I did like, speaking of bubs and stuff, I did like we had a classic Sabretooth frail. <laughs> when, he, when he calls a woman a frail like like he does. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with them. I feel like Monet is, like I said, uh, this just kind of fits. And I'm, I'm trusting that maybe Bun can add some depth to it. But it kind of just yep. fits into the whole, I, I'm just a, you know, just a, a sorority girl, basically. <laughs> but... I mean, the, the quippage is definitely a little smarter than I might expect. And speaking of smart, I'm not very smart. I just realized that the uh, the cross beams and the double page spread make a big X behind the team. <laughs> How did you miss that? It's like a 30 foot logo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. I'm I'm, I'm genius. <laughs> but yeah. How? Uh, let's hit that that double page spread for a second. Great kind of, like I said, kind of classic shot. Very, very Greg Land in basically yes. everything that it yes. does. Um, those of you who have read Uncanny before and you're aware of Gillen's work or Fraction's work, I mean, that's what we're talking five, six years ago now. Um, yeah, you'll be aware yeah. of, of how Greg Land handles the X-Men, basically. And this is it. This double-page spread is very definitively Greg Land in basically every way. And... Sabretooth couldn't look more Wolverine if he tried squatting on <laughs> squatting on that truck. You know what I mean? He's yeah, got the Wolverine I, squat going on. Yeah, and that's also a classic Sabretooth squat. So I mean they've been yeah. mirroring each other since uh, yeah, I they mean, started yeah, crossing they are, paths. They are two sides of the same coin, I guess. I'm right. being a bit harsh on old uh, Sabretooth <laughs> there. But yeah. Again with the, the Monet thing, I like that she's just got a big grin on her face. Yeah, everyone kind of, else is uber serious. Like Magneto's yeah. in shadow, Archangel's in shadow. They both I mean, only have one eye, apparently. They're um, both wearing ridiculous, very similar helmets as well. Yeah, so. they are. Huh. <laughs> um, and then Psylocke is making a tough girl pose. Got, got the butterfly with the uh, classic show as much body parts as you can for a female character kind of pose <laughs> that Psylocke's got on. <laughs> our, our comics. Um, yeah. And we'll, then, we'll come back to that. I have something to say oh, about yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we will. Of course we will. <laughs> How can we not? Um, if anything... Um, and then this Sabretooth Simon... looks like he's about to growl. And then Monet just yeah. like, ha ha. And she's holding her hands like she's about to like, like she just got her nails done. 
Yes. Like, yeah. Uh, she's just buffed her nails. Yeah. Because she kind of like does she is she flicking her nail on her tooth through her glove on the previous page? Like no, she puts I thumb, think she puts that's supposed to, to be a sexy like, like I'm biting my finger like ooh. <laughs> and then she's looking. She's checking her nails, kind of thing. Next, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Who knows? She's weird. <laughs> all right. Well, so yeah. So after that, um, Magneto rips all the Stasis tubes out of the truck and wakes all the mutants up against their will, which we can talk kind of about when we think about that. But one of the tubes had shrapnel in it, which you have to say is really only the X Men can be blamed for that. <laughs> much yeah but luckily one of the guys they woke up in his flannel shirt is a healer and um he reluctantly agrees to heal the other mutant and then what do you think about this magneto basically just turns them loose yeah that's an, that's an interesting thing um again with this Mag- magneto being kind of trying to be the the messiah or the hero of the mutants he has a great little little speech there that I kind of want to um, replicate and it yeah. kind of sets up what he feels about the X-Men and how mutants stand. As, um, Homo superior is at a crossroads. Wait, wait, wait. Teetering on... Jack, Jack. You're going to read this. you got to do a Magneto voice. Okay, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Homo superior is at a crossroads, teetering on the edge of a blade. The Terrigen mists sweeping across the world are toxic to our kind. With no new mutants manifesting, our pathetic lot counts among those who should be seen out there in the world. And the X-Men, those who would have protected you, have gone into hiding. With a cable glowing eye for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> let's not let's not touch for that because I found that bizarre. That totally undermined the whole speech thing. But I think that's a, that's that's a great speech and that sums up that kind of answers the question you just asked there of the fact that he turned himself he he, he realizes they've made their mind up. They don't want to join the X-Men and they are not prepared to kind of stand on the battlefield shoulder to shoulder with people like Magneto. So right. he says, he essentially kind of shrugs his shoulders and says, fine, you don't want anything to do with the X-Men. We're not going to protect you. We're not going to save you. You're on your own kind of thing. Yeah. But that does really beg the question then. And why not just let them do their thing? Like why even, it, it just, it's kind of weird that. Oh yeah. It, and for the motivation that he would wake them up and then not do anything with them. Like, if he's going to ignore them anyway, then why not just let them stay asleep? But um, I think that's he kind of the, the hypocrisy. He mentions kind of little speech there, doesn't he? Yeah. So many others have watched it unfold. So many mutants have died with their eyes open. Why would I let you dream when the dream is dying all around you? Kind of like this. <laughs> I guess he's saying that the, the X-Men have gone into hiding mutants are on the decline and we right. should be united and it, it's the um uh i'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees kind of thing yes um, I, yeah i agree i i think and i think one of the ways that bun makes that this speech adds depth to magneto and adds gray to magneto is that like who is he to make that call for everybody like he's mm-hmm. kind of going out and saying okay i've decided that you don't get to take the easy way out. Yes, absolutely. And I, I've taken it upon myself 
to not let you take the easy way out. But I'm not going to help you either. You made your choice. So I'm just going to kind of put you out there and see what happens. And, you know, sorry. Um, I also like the way this kind of sets the book against kind of purposefully, I think, for, for continuity buffs and whatever, but kind of sets this book um, kind of against Extraordinary X-Men. And mm, kind of like Magneto's yep. taking shots at that team. We know, unfortunately. <laughs> now, I mean, it could be a good story. I just wish it, they would have given us a little longer of the series setup. But we know Apocalypse War is coming soon. And it'll be interesting to see how Magneto interacts when he comes across the other team. So... Yeah, I wonder if there will be that kind of. You could be right. Could they be setting up that kind of crossover, that kind of battle between the X groups, or right. a conflict between the X groups, or something like that? Yeah, yeah, we'll see. So anyway, then they fly off and they they talk about. I don't know. I enjoyed this conversation between Magneto and Psylocke in the cockpit. Basically, Psylocke kind of asked the same questions that I asked. Like, are we really doing anything here? You know, and then he's like, well, what are you doing with Archangel? And, you know, yeah, why, pretty... why are you really here? And it pans over to Archangel kind of locked in his tube thing. Yeah, his like kind of cell, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so that that was kind of weird to me too because I this scene, this last panel here on this page makes it feel like they have to keep him under locked control, away for under, everyone's yeah, protection. Under lock and key. But I felt like when they unleashed him, quote unquote, earlier in the comic, he was very like, okay, <laughs> yeah, like he wasn't. Absolutely. He wasn't out of control. He wasn't like killing everybody. He just kind of flew around for a second and, and then stopped. Which is, which is what Angel does anyway. <laughs> right. His only power is flying around a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and, and like you mentioned, you're not sure whether you're. Is it like a is it a big reveal that he's Archangel right. Angel or is he, is he Warren, but in control of this body? Um, right. And that panel suggests he's like, he's kind of like the Hulk is in the Avengers, like cinematic universe. Yeah. 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 He, he, he's the weapon that they unleash and they say, okay, okay, big guy, time to unleash, you know, the ultimate, <laughs> let's press the destruct button and see what happens. And he just flies around a bit chucks a couple of knives into guys in the front of a truck and that's it and then he smiles like semi smiles like you mentioned and comes right back again. <laughs> and then so it's back to the tron cage like, yeah he, he should be like straight jacketed and stuff and like you know in a weird kind of stasis tube thing so he can't escape <laughs> but, they, but they never really explain it it's right. just like there you go he's in a tube because why not right yeah, he's, he's in his little tron so that's about it yeah, so then the X-Men contemplate some stuff, and then we kind of get an interesting kind of end of the scene where our Heagor guy in the flannel shirt is is walking around, and he decides he's going to take Magneto's words to heart. Exactly. And he's going to use his powers to help, and how is he rewarded for being the good guy? Shut in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, kiddies, never do the right thing. <laughs> Don't, don't help people in need. You'll just get shot in the face. My Welcome to the Marvel Universe, kids. <laughs> and we get the, uh, the the reveal of the murderers. We have the Dark Riders here. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I recognize one of them. 
And the, <laughs> the guy in the front, I remember him from the 90s. I don't remember him being so tough looking, but, you know, not, there's nothing. There's I'm, I have no problem with taking some uh, weenies 90 villains and making them a little stronger. I mean, they got to be more threatening. So, but these other three guys, I have no idea who they are. So. Oh, um, I'm. I was trying to work out. Um, is is it was one of them deadbolt, or because he's the kind of skeletal? Oh, maybe. Uh, that was the the skeletal guy was deadbolt. Would my guess? Okay. Um, I have no idea about the Hulk looking demon guy. No idea about little goblin guy. <laughs> um, like, yeah, my um, that might be spine. I guess. The big mutant guy. Hmm, I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brains through like old 90s wow, you, X yeah, Factor you're, you're, stuff. You're doing deep cuts. <laughs> um, spine with a Y, the kids. <laughs> oh, bless you, 90s. <laughs> yeah, everything had a Y and an X or a Z. <laughs> Sorry, a Z for you. Oh, you just said Z, thank you. I know, You right? just made my day. <laughs> um, I don't know who the little, the little, is it, I don't know. I yeah, know. I don't know. I have, I have no idea. Yeah, some. I can't even tell if he has legs or not. I kind of hope he's like a wormy guy, but I don't know. Could it, is, it, is it. I don't know. Yeah, is he like Snake from the waist down? I don't know. That's why I'm, I'm curious to see. It's hard to tell. So, I'm also the, I'm also the, assuming the they're all naked because their genitalia are all conveniently blocked. Yep. So. Or in X-ray vision for some reason, <laughs> blaming X-ray vision in the in the shape. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The Dark Riders have kind of shown up a couple of times, and they are fairly consistently tied to Apocalypse. Yes. So I'm very intrigued to see if they're going to do an Apocalypse thing coming up. Since oh, I'm, they I'm follow sure. His kind of. Survival of the fittest kind of doctrine, if you will. Yeah. Well, I'm sure this this series will kind of lead first into the Apocalypse War. Either that or all new. So Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well Maybe that maybe maybe that'll be the thing that unites the two X groups. <laughs> they will have to unite to fight against some form of apocalypse, maybe. Yeah, probably so. It'll be interesting to see after Secret Wars what that is, whether there's more than one apocalypse, or whether a kid apocalypse like goes rogue, like oh, baby apocalypse was the best. I I really enjoyed Evan as a character, to be honest. I thought, so good, yeah. so good. Yeah. So before we get into our overall thoughts, we do have some um some emails and messages. Um, first of all, the first thing I want to address is that uh, Georgie V tweeted me um, yes, at go, LA Georgie. Boy Toy. I asked him if he had any thoughts on Uncanny he wanted to share. And he said, no. <laughs> but then he tweeted, wait, wait, this is uncanny. I thought this was all new, but this is different. Yes, Magneto book. <laughs> Pretty much sums it up. Yeah. And then um, he sent me an email and he said, um, hey, Jason, here's some quick thoughts on uncanny. All right. So here's what Georgie had to say. He said, um, all new and extraordinary Xavier men, which I really like that he says that, are um, <laughs> are already on issues three or four or whatever. I've already lost interest in discussing them. They have art issues or bland story issues. I'm out. Uncanny, on the other hand, sure, there are problems. But damn it if I'm not more interested in this book. Manino leading a team, the kindler, gentler Sabretooth, Monet, that self-absorbed bitch, and droned-out Archangel and Psylocke's unending quest to cure him. 
These are interesting characters, and Magneto using the team for his own machinations has me intrigued to see what terrible plans he will put forth and how awfully things will go wrong. The art is modern, and I particularly like the color work. Land is great at conveying emotion in a character's face, especially orgasm. No way, he doesn't say that. Um, particularly, <laughs> particularly well done is every close-up of Monet being catty and every human getting killed by the team. Unfortunately for the art, the women in the book are, sexuali- are sexualized beyond what one might hope. And the designs of the shutter, dark riders, made my eyes roll further than I thought they could. They are easily the worst part of the book. What great foe can Magneto be going up against? Sinister? Apocalypse? Mastermind? Nope. Let's give the most powerful mutant in the planet some nobody-whatever faces to fight. Despite the disappointing ending, I enjoyed this book more than the other Xavier Men books. And hopefully Mystique showing up in book two will help to elevate this book to something great. I give Uncanny Xavier Men four and a half claws. Would have been five if not for those damn dark writers. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Georgie, for pitching in. Yeah, so Jack, let's talk about the art. I mean, I mentioned it earlier. Georgie mentioned it briefly there as well. Yes. Greg Land is a kind of very... I guess typical kind of classic is maybe the wrong word, but they kind of, he's a very superhero-y kind of artist you expect from superhero comics. And unfortunately, along with that title and along with his style comes the over-sexualization of female characters in comics, which is a huge, huge thing that has been going on for nigh on the entire time this medium has existed. (laughs) Um, it's not a new thing, kids. You know, right. social justice isn't a thing that was invented in 2013, as much as some kids like to think it was. Oh, it's been a it's been a problem for 50, 60, 70 years since right. comics have been around. And yeah, Greg Land is is kind of a, he's a pretty. If you like him, you like him. If you don't, you really don't like him. Kind of artist, it seems. I know. I mentioned Dan earlier on the show. Uh, one of my co-hosts. He is not a Greg Land fan at all. But I'm a bit, I'm a bit more kind of lukewarm on him. I, I I don't hate Greg Land. I like some of the work he did um, on Gillen with uh, Kieran Gillen and Iron Man stuff. Yeah. Some of the, some of that stuff was quite dynamic and quite interesting. Like you said, Jason, I like some of the early action shots and things like that. Some of the there's some really nice dynamic pages. But yeah, you, the the two words you used earlier orgasm faces (laughs) well and and denise brought up a good point she was telling me by the way she gives the book four out of six claws for those of you keeping score at home on the modern issues um she she brought up a good point she felt like other than the double page spread where where psylocke is sexually contorted to show both uh t and a um (laughs) other than that she thought it was weird that Monet seemed very over-sexualized, but through most of the book, Psylocke did not, which I thought was an interesting point. And uh, one of the things I've always thought about Greg Land, um, I I have a little bit of a soft spot for him because I really enjoyed his early work on Nightwing. And also... You you know there's a soft spot in my heart for Dick. Oh, yes. You love your dick pics. I I always love the dick. And he he had some really pretty dick pics. He's... (laughs) I mean, talking of over-sexualization, <laughs> he, draws, he draws a pretty good dick. Yes. <laughs> Grayson. 
But also, I don't know if you remember or if you were of the right age or ever read any cross-gen comics. Uh, no, no probably not. Anyway, uh, they, they didn't last a real long time, but they were pretty good and had some good creators on them. And my two favorite books were Meridian and Sojourn. And Greg Land drew Sojourn. And it was basically kind of a... Kind of, um... Okay, very... Imagine if Lord of the Rings was on CW. (laughs) (laughs) And so everybody was really pretty and good looking, but I didn't feel like at that point in his career, it was super... Like, it was sexy, but it wasn't sexual, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And and I think, you know, going through the the 90s and the 2000s, that line got more and more blurred. But I feel like Land... I mean, I guess to me that the CW comparison is the best is that everybody, no one's ugly ever. Maybe his troll guys are intentionally like his monsters are kind of ugly, I guess. But even then he has to draw like weird teeth to make them ugly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so everybody's kind of good looking, but I don't know. I, I I definitely feel like Monet was over sexualized. I feel like. There were several yeah, times absolutely. where where her her breasts were exceptionally perky. Um, um yeah, I was gonna say the um <laughs> thumb biting uh, moment, the panel before that. Oh yeah, yeah, no, she's a, a full attention nipple. Yeah, like not even not even <laughs> joke, not even you can't miss it basically. Right, but then I feel like Psylocke just kind of looked badass the whole time and didn't like for example. Go back in time 10 years, and the page where Psylocke, um, first of all, so we have, we have like competing ideas here. So that, that page, the page before, Monet's flying through the air carrying a guy, and then they do a close-up on her face, like with the wind blowing her hair, like she's at a Victoria's Secret model shoot, okay? <laughs> then the next page, Psylocke looks awesome kicking guys in the face. And at the bottom of that page, there's a shot of Psylocke from behind, from the shoulders up. Now, Greg Land, 10 years ago, that would have been a full body shot with a nice ass shot. Yeah. So, so I felt like I felt like there were there were opportunities to to kind of exploit Psylocke that were not taken. Like that choice was made to not do that. And then with Monet, the opposite choice was made on several occasions. So I thought the art as far as the, the sexualization was really kind of a mixed bag. And I don't really know. I don't know if like, it's always weird to me because you have some, you know, whenever people criticize this kind of art, you have people that are like, well, yeah, we need to evolve. And you have people that are like, no, you know, there's a place for this, blah, blah, blah. And, and the weird thing is most of the artists like say you're um your Frank shows, who are just unabashedly trying to draw sexy chicks, and they don't they don't back away from it when people complain about it. They just like oh that's what I do, and they don't say no I'm not sexual. Like like there's no real big denial on a lot of the artist's part. I feel like, and so it's curious to me. Like I wonder with some of these artists like Gre- like Greg Land who are kind of in between if they if they're conscious of what they're doing or if it's just kind of because I know um, one thing about Land, especially in his facial expressions and, and figure work, is he, he does a lot of photo referencing. Like I've, just, I've read that about him before. 
And so it's curious. I don't know. I'm, I just, I guess I don't really know whether he's like, is he just looking at playboys to draw his women or, you know, like, like, I mean, I you might be, you might be not far off with Victoria's Secret catalogs. Right, like exactly. Sears catalogs or whatever. Right. Is that uh, still a thing? Sears catalogs still a thing? I don't know what you're talking about, so I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not me being coy. I won't, I, I won't, tell, I won't tell Denise, Jason. Fine, okay, fine. all right. <laughs> <laughs> she said thank you, Jeff. I don't know if you heard her, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but a CS is that a British thing or is that? I thought it was an American thing. Oh, okay. I I just missed it. I know Victoria's it's, Secret. It, 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 it's um, it's the thing that your mum would buy lingerie from. Oh, okay. So it, so it's like a it's like a clothing catalog that young boys would steal from right. their mothers and hide under their to, mattress. To, right to hide under the mattress. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, gotcha. It was spank bank material. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> My wife just rolled I her heard eyes. That as well. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for bringing the tone down, Denise. That's okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm like um asking you to come out and play. Like, Denise, can Jason come out and play today? <laughs> Sorry, I got him in trouble, Mrs. Venable. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not far from the truth, let's be honest. Yeah. Right. Um. <laughs> So back to comics. Back to comics, yeah. Uh, so the only thing I want to say, Georgie, is that. Um, no, I'm, I'm responding to Georgie's email. Denise thought I called you Georgie Jack. I'm not calling you Georgie Jack. <laughs> no, Georgie Jack is a great can, name. I could try and do an impression of him or something like that. Just <laughs> transform off into the show. <laughs> no, but to Georgie's email, um, I agree that like yeah, we have Magneto, the strongest mutant. And the Dark Riders are kind of a weak choice. But I also kind of feel like if you look at the first story arc like a video game, like you don't get the Dark Riders without Apocalypse. So I feel like this is just kind of the first level boss. That was absolutely going to be my analogy as well. Yeah. yeah. If you get the end of issue one, a picture of Apocalypse's face, you've kind of blown it there on the right. first issue. <laughs> you want to start slow and kind of ease into the whole apocalypse thing because he is one of the big x-men villains right you don't just dive straight in with apocalypse like like i think so many books have this problem where they don't really know where to go and they're like um 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 i don't know uh thanos straight away because <laughs> i can't can't think what else to do or here's dark seed or whatever they'll just like chuck the the biggest villain they can possibly think of into the first iteration of that character so i think starting off with the dark riders for those who are in the know, we're all like, huh, that must mean an apocalypse is coming up. Right. Those of you who don't know, it's just a bunch of bad guys. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm kind of with you there, Jason. I think it's a, it's a purposeful thing to kind of ease new readers and, and then kind of set the pace for this series. Yeah, and plus Greg Land likes drawing hoods. So. <laughs> Lots of hoods and stuff. Yeah, hoods yeah. and demons. Hoods and demons and guns, yeah. <laughs> And butts. Yeah, that, that's his checklist. <laughs> All right, so what do you think of the story overall? Um, I know we talked about some of the characters and some of those moments, but as far as the plot, are you are you intrigued? Or, I mean, I know you kind of... Did you, all right, well, let me ask you this. Were you going to read this regardless, or did you only read it because I asked you to come on? 
I read this because you asked me to come on. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I, I was planning to read it, but I was perhaps going to wait until the first trade. Ah, okay, have, gotcha. If I'm honest. So, yeah, yeah. This, I, I went and got this um, digitally, so I'm, I'm reading this on my phone. Okay. Um, and, yeah, yeah. So I, I went and got this uh, Friday night, actually. Okay, um, perfect. So, yeah. Was it Friday night or was it yesterday? I don't remember. One day. Whenever you mentioned it to me, I basically bought it straight away. So Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You're so diligent. Um, <laughs> all right, so let me ask you this then. Uh, um, and I, this will probably give a little hint of what your grade's going to be, but do you feel like, did you get enough here that like made you change your mind? Like you're going to go ahead and buy the other issues or still wait for the trade? Or like, or this go the other way? Like, nope, not even going to worry about the trade either. Like, um, I, I, I've kind of set, a rule for myself I, I think I've mentioned here on the show before I've certainly mentioned it plenty of times on the show I host um, the rule of three is kind of okay. my thing for yeah. any series if I delve into an issue one and I don't hate it I will give it two more issues or if it's a TV show I'll give it three episodes right. same rule applies for kind of anything three levels of a video game whatever <laughs> the analogy kind of translates medium and yeah I'll, I'll give it the first three if I'm still on board then then I'll carry on reading if I'm not I will either trade weight or just drop the whole thing entirely, depending on how I'm feeling. So, right. yeah, I, I will definitely read issue two and issue three going forward. All right, so let's let's do a little crystal ball. Do you foresee did what you get in this issue make you feel like it's going to get better and keep you hooked, or did what you see in this issue make you feel like, oh well, I'll give it the three issues, but let's be honest. <laughs> I have no idea where this is going next. Okay, Because cool. I because I feel the Dark Riders are they gonna are they gonna jump in straight away and fight the Uncanny Team? Like, is issue two gonna conclude with a big battle between these guys, or are they gonna lay I back kinda, a bit and yeah. be pick, picking off the mutants that the Uncanny Team saves? So, say they do this similar sort of mission, not literally ripping it off of trucks and stuff and saving um stasis mutants but right. if they keep going around and magneto's kind of on this mission to free the mutants and give them that choice and all that sort of stuff are the dark riders kind of one step behind them just killing everyone as they're freeing them sort of thing i like um, that idea yeah they're and then kind of drag like it out right shadowing the uncanny exactly yeah shadowing the uncanny team right um so hopefully you know what that reminds me of you know, one of, the, one of our recent flashback episodes, we did a two-parter on the Mutant Massacre. Mm, With the Marauders, yes. kind of, you had this slow buildup of like, you know, a couple of pages at the back of the issue. They'd, you'd see these shadowy figures killing some mutants, and they'd kill the Morlocks, and then, you know... As soon as I saw these guys, I thought, Marauders, straight away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I... Well, they are. I, had... I mean, to be fair, they're, they're, they're apocalypse as Marauders. Yeah. They're not good enough to be horsemen, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, um and the fact that the whole apocalypse thing is teased then very much hints at the whole archangel thing that we've been discussing here as well right yeah so if he is under control or if he is warren we don't know but that could be a very key plot point going forward if apocalypse is going to become directly involved and start controlling mutants and things like that so with that and the fact that I think the Dark Riders aren't just going to jump in and get their asses kicked in issue I hope two. Not. I, think, I hope you're I right. Gonna, I like your theory. Yeah. yeah. 
if if that carries on, I'll I'll be pretty pleased. So that's my prediction. Uh, I'm optimistic, shall we say? Cool. <laughs> how, how about you? What, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I I enjoyed it. Um, I trust fun, so that that goes a long way. I I I will say it was interesting. I I I was very curious. I've never really read Colin Bunn on a team book before. Of course, he did some Wolverine stuff like way way back uh, when I first started the podcast. He was doing the solo Wolverine book. And then, of course, he's done some Deadpool stuff and most notably the Magneto stuff. And uh, some of the stuff he's, that I read from other companies has been more either like focus on a person or like a very small group. And so I'm curious to kind of see like because one of the things I, I like about Bun a lot you know, even though I kind of bailed on it, I enjoyed, like, his portrayal of Sinestro in the New 52, like, was his just really in-depth, like, he felt like he really got inside the character. And one of the biggest challenges with the team book is can the writer make you... First of all, I'm worried because I don't want to lose what we had with Magneto. I want to follow him straight through, like, just stay on that same train Colin Bunn was on, keep plowing ahead. But also, can he also get us inside the heads of all the characters and make them all feel important and that we know them all. And I feel like he did all right in this issue, kind of doing that. Um, you know, we kind of got to see, like, some pretty significant motivations from most of the characters. Obviously, Archangel's a mystery, so we're not going to get anything there. But Magneto, I felt like, kind of kept going where he was... He's, he's kind of the driving force, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And I really enjoyed the conversation with Magneto and Psylocke because... It tells you what Psylocke's motivation is without saying, oh, here's my motivation. Mm. You know, like, like, you yeah. know yeah. she's there to be with Archangel and to either keep an eye on him or try to help him or break him out of his, his shell or whatever she's trying to do. Like, you know that's her motivation. But you get that through, like, sideways glances and kind of subtext of the main conversation without without a narration box going, well, I joined the Uncanny X-Men to, to keep an eye on my ex-lover, Warren, and I don't know if Warren's still in there, but I hope he is, and, and Archangel's out of control, but I'm, I'm going to tag along and try to try to help mentally kind of pull him out. You know, like, all that's true, and you know all that from this issue, but you don't get the annoying over-explanation. So, in that regards, I enjoyed the way Bun characterized. I'm still curious to see what he does with Monet. Whether he can make me care about her or not, I think will be the big challenge. And like you said, Sabretooth, basically Pussycat Sabretooth just fills in the Wolverine role. That's kind of what he's done since Axis anyway. I really enjoyed Reminder um, using that kind of, kind of going to the psychological ramifications of that, of Sabretooth being like looking at all the horrible things he's done in the past and seeing Wolverine as kind of an inspiration that you can overcome that. I hope Bun touches on that a little bit, but even if he doesn't, I mean, we kind of know what's going on there. I guess, to yeah. me, the curious point is I hope, first of all, I hope Bun is on this book, has a nice long run, and gets to tell his whole story. I'd be curious to see, because we have three or four guys, um, really everyone but Monet, and, and I could even, she could have done something I just never read, that have had either been straight up villains or had flashes of of kind of being on the wrong side of the fight. And so I'm curious to see in the long run if any of these five characters kind of go back over to the other side 
or whether that'll be like a flirtation with that or whether they'll just actually just straight up cross over. So I'm definitely curious to see where the characters go. Like I said, this book is called Uncanny X-Men, but it feels like an X-Force book. And that's not a bad thing, necessarily. You know, after the 90s, since Uncanny X-Force started with both Remender's run and even the run before that with the Yost um, and Kyle, or Yost and Kyle, however you want to say it, X-Force from that point on has been pretty sweet. So um, I don't mind this being that kind of book. Um, I'm definitely kind of interested to see where it goes. Um like Georgie, and, and you also said, uh, Dark Riders, fine, but they can lead up to something, and that could be cool. So, yeah, any other general closing thoughts? Um, no, I thought we covered everything, really, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. I, I pretty much agree with your sentiments at the end there. Cool. All right, well, so Georgie gave it four and a half, uh, tentatively leaning towards five. Uh, Denise gave it four out of six claws. Jack, what do you want to grade? The all-new, all-different Uncanny X-Men number one. That is a hell of a title, if you say out loud. <laughs> God. Um, I'm glad it's not all there on the page. I'm just, <laughs> just kind of having a joke. <laughs> thankfully, they've dropped the A-N-A-D from a lot of these books, so you can just have new number ones. Um, right. I'm right there. I, I have a habit of stealing other people's numbers, <laughs> other people's claws. And uh, Denise, you'll be pleased to hear I'm right there along with you. Uh, I've got four claws popped for this issue. All right. Before I give my grade, someday in the future, and maybe Jack, I know you you dabble with some writing. Maybe you can write this. I want a Wolverine or Wolverine-related stories with a guy, a bad guy, who is out collecting and stealing claws. My <laughs> physical claws, whether it's broken fragments of the old bone claws whether he's trying to get one of the adamantium claws out or Sabretooth's claws or Lady Deathstrike's fingers. Like, I, I want a claw collector bad so, guy. So let, let, me, let me pitch this to you. As a writer, I've just come up with something straight off the top of my head. Okay. This is a, this is a crossover between two well-known franchises. We're flashing back to the early 90s, so this is 90s X-Men <laughs> versus another classic 90s franchise that was established in 1993. We have Jurassic Park. Okay, Whoa, we've, got, we've right. got mutants, we've got dinosaurs. What else do you want? a claw collector who started off the whole movie with a claw in his hand. Dr. Alan Grant, of course. Yes. He has the Velociraptor claw in his pocket right. at all times. Then he scares the fat kid with. Yeah. Mess with kids, exactly. <laughs> so we have Dr. Alan Grant, a.k.a. claw collector, hunt, hunting down the various Wolverines, X-23, Old Man Logan... Craven, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> all the various claw-based Marvel... We can even have like a, a one-off issue where he, he misunderstands something and tries to get claw. Exactly. He'll try and go and get claw, <laughs> and he'll end up with like a weird satellite. Dish yeah, then there's no claws here. Forget this. <laughs> That's claw with a K. Damn it. <laughs> Base palm. Exactly. exactly. So yeah, Dr. Alan Grant is claw collector. I love trying it. to defeat the versus the Wolverines. I, I'm I'm sold. I'm completely <laughs> sold. And you know, if you can't get the rights, then you just make up some other archaeologist and make it the Savage Land, and boom, good to go. Nailed it. Yeah. They can do like a Jurassic Park parody in Savage Land. Awesome. We'll get we'll get Sauron involved, and he'll cross off cross over with Sauron from Lord of the Rings because <laughs> they're pronounced differently for some reason, even though they're the exact same word. <laughs> Well, Claremont said he stole that, 
So exactly, I know. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not even joking though. I would buy the hell out of that book. So <laughs> I'll, I'll get working on it. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I guess you can't kickstart with other people's licensed properties, can you? <laughs> um, the, the, pe- people try. People try. <laughs> Oh, perfect. All right. Well, circling back around, um, uh, we're going to be very, very consistent on the show, Jack. I feel like every time you come on, we pretty much just smile and shake hands and are very agreeable, have some tea. But I'm going to give uh, four out of six claws as well. I'm interested enough, but I felt like the art was a little too problematic at places for me to go up to five. So if I was going to grade Bun's contribution, I would, I would grade it more towards a five and the art more towards a three. And so that's going to kind of average out to four out of six claws. So that's that's Uncanny X-Men number one. Well, Jack, again, thanks so much for coming on. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, I think ple- this is... Pleasure as always. This is like the fastest podcast you and I have ever recorded together. Yes, yeah. We're gonna... it, it's two, two hours shorter than the usual thing <laughs> that we do. You know what? That's okay because I have a nursery to start painting tonight. So... <laughs> But anyway, I told you uh, I'm, the, I'm the troublemaker. I'm yes. getting, getting you in trouble with your wife. Yeah, that's all right. Someone's got to. It's, it's usually just Georgie. <laughs> exactly. So, cool. Well, um, why I got you? Um, I know most of our listeners have, have heard the spiel before, but why don't you um, why don't you give your normal plugs? And uh, and you mentioned before we started recording that you were just on another guest podcast as well. So why don't you throw all that information out for Absolutely. everyone to listen to? Thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> I am one of the hosts of the Intercomics podcast, which is a weekly show we do. Uh, it goes up every Friday uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, all the usual podcast uh, subscription services. Go to intercomicspodcast.com if you want to go and check that out. Uh, we are intercomicspod on Twitter as well. Uh, my personal Twitter is at JLW Chambers. And as you mentioned, Jason, um, I guest on other people's shows occasionally as well, as well as the podcast that goes snicked. I appeared on. Uh, another friend of mine's show uh, it's all about Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen Stacy it is the Ultimate Spin podcast and you can download that from ultimatespinpodcast.com and that show is already up it went up the day we recorded it so oh wow um, (laughs) yeah yeah Brian over there is an awesome guy and uh, you guys have probably heard me mention Kyle if you've ever heard and he's been on your show too right Yes, yeah, yeah, Kyle's been on a couple of times on the Intercomics podcast as well. So uh, it was me, Brian, and Kyle uh, discussing Radioactive Spider-Gwen number four, awesome. um, which is a, a great book, and we, we talked about various different things. And I will hopefully be reappearing when Miles Morales finally makes his full-time debut at when Spider-Man number one comes out in February. So I'm stoked hopefully that I'll book. be back on that show, and my usual podcast will be up every week, as always. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Speaking of, of Intercomics Podcast, am I supposed to be doing a review for this issue? <laughs> uh, that's a question for Matt. Right, I'll ask him. I know I've been doing Extraordinary, and I feel like I was asked a while back to do this one, and I just forgot. Possibly, yeah. So Check, check with Matt. Check with yeah. Matt. Uh, I'll just write one up, send it over, and y'all can either cool. post yeah, it sounds, or not post it. Sounds good to me. <laughs> so, listeners, I might have a review up. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Anyway, uh, all our usual stuff, um, like the Facebook page for the podcast that goes snicked, um, email us snickcast at yahoo.com, um, show notes and stuff are snickcast.podbean.com, and Twitter, where most of the fun is, is at snickcast, um, 
I apologized to Jack the other day. I completely dominated his timeline with um, X-Men versus Fantastic Four stuff. But, um, you know, I, I can do that if I want, right? Um, I don't know if you saw that, but I passed on the uh, fleshy Doctor Doom. I, w- I was talking to Brian from the Ultimate Spin podcast um, earlier on, and we were discussing how creepy Doctor Doom can be when you see past the mask. <laughs> Um, and you and I were extensively talking about that on the Fantastic Four versus X-Men episode. So, yeah, F- Fleshy Doctor Doom is taking over my timeline right now. For better awesome. or probably worse. Yeah, probably, but, you know. All right, cool. Well, um, that's everything. Um, I don't know what will be next. Um, if my suspicions are correct, based on what we've seen in other books, and Old Man Logan is in the last installment of Secret Wars then we will do that next. If not, um, our next flashback with a very special guest will be another 87 crossover from 1987. Um, you've heard of Avengers versus X-Men, or have you read X-Men versus Avengers? So that'll be, that'll be next on the flashback uh, routine. And um, yeah, so until then, everybody, hugs and snicks. And Jack, why don't you give your famous award-winning closing? Snacked, everybody. (laughs) Perfect. Thanks, guys. Bye.